over 2,000 years ago, Jesus, in a sense, blew his listeners' minds who read that passage as he spoke and as he shared his Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it really, in a sense, uh, was turning everything upside down, but in another sense, it really wasn't turning everything upside down. We saw that last week as we looked at the law and how Jesus came to fulfill that. But even today, these ideas that Jesus communicated still show up in the regular culture of our society. Pulp culture, you every once in a while hear a little expression which is all based on the Sermon on the Mount. For example, we hear things like, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, don't judge, love your enemies, do unto others as you've had done unto yourself, the golden rule, and on and on and on. These lines, these ideas, these concepts all originate on a message that Jesus gave uh, almost 2,000 years ago. And as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, today we're going to ta be taking a break because next week we break into Christmas. We'll be talking about that, then in the first year we'll pick up where we've left off. But all through this series, uh, we've been reminding ourselves that Jesus makes life better and makes us better at life. And slowly but surely, as we walk through these words of Jesus, these red words that are in some of your Bibles, we're seeing that at first glance they go, ooh, ah, no. And then all of a sudden as you start to digest, you see that really blessed are the person that follows these things. You've heard it said, but now function this way. We see that Jesus does make life better and makes us better at life. If you're just joining us this morning, uh, you can catch up online. There's a bunch of ways to do that. There's also CDs at uh, guest services, so you can pick up uh, one of those. But our whole goal is to connect with the rhythms in life that Jesus offers each one of us. And really, no matter where we're at in our spiritual journey, th there is something uh, in this message series, in Jesus' messages uh, for us. Um, we're either uh, moving towards them, uh, we're trying to figure out, does he have anything to say to our lives? And as we walk our way through this, uh, we really do get a glimpse of, of who he is. Now this morning we're going to see that Jesus speaks into our lives about the idea of anger, the idea of relationships, the idea of, of heart. And for us, a lot of us as we move into this Christmas season, as some of us even think about Black Friday, some of us won't go out, some of us will go out because it's the thing we do. Um, we're going to have moments where you and I get to feel a little Anger. We might say it's frustration. It sounds a little nice to say, oh, I'm very frustrated, right? I'm very angry. But we're going to be out there. We're going to be at the shopping malls. We're going to be around. And we may hopefully not experience something to this dramatic, uh, this level, but, but we will experience things like this. Excuse me. I know you didn't think anyone would catch you, but you just slammed your door into my car. The least you can do is say you're sorry, lady. You don't have to take that tone. It's not like I'm hurting your resale value. I'm sorry. See? Like that. Yes. 
date. What if spring is late and winter it's a marshmallow world? It's the time for play. It's a control of myself. It was like an out-of-body experience and I was there watching this woman go insane and the woman was me. But you know what, Hal? I'd do it all over again. It felt great. It was almost worth destroying my car. Well, honey, the important thing is no cops were there to see it. <laughs> no one says a word. This is my one, my one to your 11,000. So, Due to unforeseen circumstances, we are now completely broke. Therefore, I am making a proclamation. This will be a handmade Christmas. We're not spending any money on gifts. They will be homemade, and therefore more personal and more thoughtful. Well, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas. Hopefully, uh, you won't take that as an encouragement to do something like that. But uh, you've all had those feelings. Uh, Will Rogers says this, people who fly into a rage seldom make a good landing. And how true is that? Uh, probably if some of us could even think about some things that ha even happened this week where we lost it a little or lost it a lot and the landing was not pretty at all. We wonder in ourselves, where, where, do, where does all that hostility, where does all that anger, where does all that uh, frustration uh, come from? Uh, Jesus' uh, stepbrother, uh, if you can imagine being Jesus' brother growing up, and uh, Jesus' stepbrother, you could just imagine James saying, uh, Mom, uh, Jesus took my toy. And all of a sudden, Mary replying back, Jesus never does anything wrong, you know, and you know all that kind of a thing. So, uh, this is this is what this is what James, uh, Jesus' stepbrother, writes. He writes this about all of this stuff. He says, "Where do you think these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happened? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it." deep inside yourselves. You see, when you and I are wrestling with frustration 
anger, whatever you want to call it, it originates inside. Uh, sometimes we make it an external force being pushed on it, and that might get our attention, but really it's an inside-out thing. We talked about inside-out last week. And what we have to realize is what's inside of you, what's inside of me is coming for you, coming for me. And what we mean by that is what's inside is eventually going to catch up with the outside. Eventually it shows itself. We can stuff it down. We can get just frustrated in private or, or vent in private or maybe with a couple friends and, and don't think it's going to get out here. But eventually it does. You see, what's inside you is coming for you. That's why it's so important to be changing from the inside out. Because then what comes out is different. It's not that anger. Jesus later on in Matthew, Matthew records Jesus' words, says this, What comes out of the mouth gets its start in the heart. What you and I say, when we lose it, when we don't lose it, when we're being kind, originates inside the heart. Starts inside. So I'd like you to turn over to Matthew 21, or open up your Bibles, turn on your apps. The, most of the verses will be on the screen. That's page 678 in that Bible you'll find on the rack around you. If you want a Bible, please feel free to take that Bible as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Matthew 5, 21, page 678. And uh, we'll start there and see what Jesus has to say about anger and where it originates and how to identify it and how to, how to deal with it. First of all, he starts off with hearing, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And when we read that verse, and we feel pretty good about that verse, because most of us, hopefully very few of us, or none of us have uh, been involved in a murder. We may have felt like it, but we haven't done that. And when we think about our lives, we say, check that off, and, and we're all set. Uh, but if the truth be known, uh, I like what uh, Clarence Darrow says. He says, I've never killed anybody, but I've read some obituary notices with great delight. Sometimes, sometimes it's like, man, I would be okay if that person just disappeared, if that person didn't exist. Uh, we have, in a sense, murder maybe in our heart or on our heart or great frustration inside our heart, but we're controlled enough not to let that get out. It may get out in venomous comments, but we don't actually make it into a physical uh, thing. We read on in uh, verse 21, we see, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And when they say brother or sister, they're really talking about the family relationship of being Christ followers. We're brother and sister. 
Uh, I've been actually very mad with my actual brother and sister. But Jesus is saying, yes, murder is wrong and there's judgment. But there's some judgment that comes along with anger. And really, if you're going to murder someone in the normal circumstances, you started with anger. And then he goes on and says, Anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And we go, whew, I've never said Raka. I've never said that. But we need to realize what the idea that's tied to that word. The idea is that you consider someone worthless. Uh, you don't value them as a human being. See, all of us are image bearers of God. We're created in the image of God. So we all, no matter who we are, have value. And when you get to the point, when I get to the point where I don't think someone is, is worth the time, not, I, I show contempt for them, I, I, I just don't care about them, I, I act like they don't exist, they are worthless to me, Jesus says that when you have that in your heart, you're responsible for that. There's some judgment with that. You don't get a pass. You don't, can't say, well, I didn't kill that person even though I can't stand them. So when you and I don't value a human being, no matter who they are, we don't, say, we don't see the image of God, uh, there can be uh, some judgment when we think they're worthless. That doesn't mean when someone has been horrible or done horrible things and those kinds of things, there's no consequence, there's none of that, but it's this idea of actually having contempt in, in being worthless. Uh, uh, we could go back, and it's an extreme example, and look what the Nazis did to uh, people of Jewish faith. They, they were worthless. They valued uh, animals more than those people. When we, and we can kind of have that view to others. We can have that view for other people groups. Uh, we can have that view to people in our lives that we basically say they're worthless. They're, it's almost like they're dead to me. They don't, they don't exist. Then the idea of the word fool. That here the fool means that uh, they're immorally bankrupt. You're making a little judgment on them or a lot of judge them. And when you say fool in Jesus' context, he's basically saying you're telling them to go to hell. Literally, you, 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 you are okay with that. You actually like that fact. You think they deserve hell and you're saying they should go to hell. But the reality is all of us, all of us, if it wasn't for the grace of God, deserve separation from God, deserve hell. So when we think we don't have a murderous heart, Jesus says, uh, you're not that far away from it. Just because you don't have the courage, <laughs> that may sound funny, the, you're not going to act on it, but you have it in your heart, uh, there's a problem. So what do we do with it? If you have feelings, if you're aware of your surroundings, there are people that are going to make you 
angry. There are going to be people that uh, just, 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 oh, they drive you crazy. Now, it doesn't mean that all anger is wrong. There is a righteous anger. It's more of an anger against a system, an injustice. Uh, it's I can't stand, it's no more kind of an anger. And, and sometimes that anger actually uh, creates new days in people's lives. Uh, you know, the person that uh, could not stand slavery anymore, uh, and it started to sweep in Europe and came across from Great Britain and all those kinds of things. Someone said they couldn't stand it anymore. They were angry. Sometimes when there's a medical situation and, and, and kids are dying because they're not getting the right kind of medicine, all of a sudden someone says, I can't stand it anymore. And it creates action. That's not what we're talking about here. So what are the wrong ways to handle anger? Uh, the first uh, wrong way is these spewers express their anger. They just, they're like a volcano. All of us know those kinds of folks. It doesn't take much for them to erupt. Almost out of control, the, 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 the expression on their faith. And for all of us, there, there are different thresholds. Some, some of us don't get angry easier, but there are some things that, that can make us angry, and all of a sudden, we just erupt. There's no control. There's no discipline. And, and that, that starts, that, that's a symptom of the heart. In Proverbs, we read, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. I can remember getting my mother so mad with me as a kid, and we lived in a home where you got spanked, or at least I got spanked. I've joked about this before, before breakfast, after breakfast, mid-morning, because I was always into something. And you say, well, why didn't she just talk to you? Because talking to me wasn't going to do any good. Uh, I needed a little more energy in my discipline than just going, that was bad, Dave. Don't you feel bad? No, no I don't feel bad. So I needed to feel bad. So anyway, uh, and... Um, I can, I can remember, uh, you know, a couple times where I would make her so angry, she would say, I'm too angry to spank you right now. Because that means she might have killed me. No. <laughs> and then I knew I was in big trouble. That scared me <laughs> when she said, I'm too angry. Uh, so the wise know to how to hold on to their anger. Uh, they know how to express it. They know how to, in a sense, take a time out. It doesn't mean that you aren't angry. You just learn how to express it. You don't vent it. You don't go off half-hinged. And that is a place of the heart. Um, the excuse that God just made me that way doesn't, doesn't cover it. There ought to be some growth. There ought to be less anger than the previous year. We ought to grow in that area. And the only way to grow in that area, again, is to have that change of heart, which means spending time with God, which means growing, which means spending time talking with him in prayer. And slowly but surely, he changes our hearts. Sometimes it means memorizing a verse like that. And the minute you start to feel like you're going to lose it, you pull up, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. 
know, I've showed video clips from the Incredibles before about how they're coming unglued as a family and there's the doorbell dings and, and all of a sudden they're like right perfect in perfect spot. Uh, you've done the same thing. Uh, you're coming unhinged about something and all of a sudden the phone rings and you pick it up and you go, hello, and it's like nothing's wrong. So we all can control it. We all can control it, so we learn to replace it. A quick-tempered person does foolish things. Does foolish things, breaks things, throws things, stamps their feet, says hurtful things. And so we want to get away from that. It's a reflection of the heart. So there are those that just spew it out. And then there are those that are stewards, and they suppress their anger. And at first glance, you're saying, no, that's a good thing, suppressing your anger. No, you hold on to your anger, and you digest it, and you figure out how to respond and, and work through it. But if you just stuff it, and just stuff it deep, you're setting yourself up for a problem. That pressure just continues to uh, just gain Stupid people express their anger openly, but sensible people are patient and hold it back and they deal with it. Don't suppress it. Don't suppress it. In Ephesians we read, when you are angry, don't let it carry you into sin. Don't let the sun set with anger in your heart or give the devil room to work. It's interesting, not only is our anger an emotional expression, but it's a spiritual thing going on. When you and I don't deal with our anger, it gives the devil room to work. And probably most of us have had an experience where something just made us so angry, and we did suppress it, and we didn't deal with it. And it gave the devil time to work or space to work. And in some other situation, because we haven't processed it through, we haven't come to terms with it, we haven't forgiven, all of a sudden it does erupt. Suppressing it doesn't mean it's suppressed forever. It means it comes up in different ways. Some of us are great at suppressing it, and it's affected our health. Some of us get headaches because of anger. We're suppressing it. Some of us have health issues. All this is, this is tied together. And then when we don't process through, when we don't deal with it, we find that we carry our anger from the past into our presence, into the future, and we take it out on whomever may be nearby. Have you ever had that? Uh, somebody else, usually it's a family member, usually it's somebody closest to you. You are uh, angry and not kind because something happened somewhere else and they're just now, you held it together at work and now you're not at home. Or, or something happened years ago and somebody else triggers some of those thoughts and they're not doing the same thing, but it kind of feels like the same thing. And since you haven't processed it through, all of a sudden, boom, you're letting them have it. You see, we can't just let it all out, spew it uncontrolled, and we can't stuff it. So, so what, what, do we, what do we do with our anger? How do we process it? 
How do we do this? And we've got to realize that there is a cost for not dealing with our anger. The last part of Jesus' word says this, I tell you this, you will not emerge from prison until you've paid your last penny. Imagery here. You and I, when we have anger that we haven't processed through, puts us in a prison. And it keeps costing us, costing us, costing us. And when we put it aside, it will keep costing us until we deal with it, and it can drain our emotional, our spiritual, our relational bank down to our last penny because we haven't processed it through, and we live in this prison. Verse 23 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, if you're at a church service, if you're, if you're at a place where you're in a sense doing worship, spiritual things, doing good things, and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, stop what you're doing, leave your gift there, leave your religious activity at the altar and go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So the idea here is that this is so important. Disconnection, tension in a relationship, not dealt with, needs to be dealt with. We've talked about righteousness of God, being right with God and right with others. We talked last week about love God, love others, the primary direction and force of the way you and I are to live. So when there is a problem with a relationship, something's broken down. We're not loving others as we ought to. When I was growing up, uh, I don't know if you had this experience when we were growing up and we would celebrate the Lord's Supper, celebrate communion. Uh, part of the um, process was they would refer to this passage like, don't take communion if you have something against somebody, if you have an issue with somebody in the room. And it was always an awkward moment, and sometimes somebody would get up, slip, and go sit next to somebody else and, and deal with their business. Some of us just would, I wish whatever I do. My mother always wanted to do this. She always wanted to go up to somebody and say, I forgive you, don't worry about it, and just walk off and leave the person going, what? <laughs> See where I get it from, right? <laughs> it's gone, it's forgotten. The person's just sitting there, you know, spellbound by what was that. But the idea was that it was more important. And when we come to this situation, we realize that we shouldn't be giving ourselves, giving in to anger. Ken, it's been really established that when you and I give in to anger, things go bad. Maybe not immediately, but over time it has an effect. Watch this guy who just got angry with his car. Florida man says his car left him stranded one too, time too many, so now he's facing misdemeanor charges. The man fired four shots into the hood of his 1994 Chrysler LeBaron to, in his words, put the car out of its misery. John McGivney says after police stopped laughing, they arrested him. It was the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life, but it felt good. McGivney spent a night in jail, but he says it was worth every moment of it. It is now seven minutes past the hour. <laughs> Love that story. <laughs> it felt so good, but now he's in jail. <laughs> so. Anger will not help you live the right kind of life God wants. 
gets in the way of that. Gets in the way of that. So what do you do? First of all, you need to, sounds very simple, but identify who you are angry with. Sometimes we just are angry or what we're angry with. Sometimes it's symptomatic for something deeper. Sometimes we lash out at somebody else. The infraction, the thing, was, 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 didn't have the weight of the energy we, we gave it. And we don't realize it's because of something else. Sometimes this takes time. Sometimes this means you need to sit down and talk with someone. Sometimes you need spiritual counseling. You need counseling. There's nothing wrong with that. If something's wrong with your leg, you go to the doctor. If something's wrong with your heart, you go to somebody, and they can help you process that through. All of us, if we're really honest, do this to some degree. We have somebody else speak into our lives. There's, there's nothing wrong. There's no shame in that. There's actually more shame in not doing that because now you have to live the results of your anger rather than process through. Another way if we're going to get through, especially sometimes there's, there's no way to reconcile with someone. Uh, we'll talk about this in a couple of minutes. They don't want to or whatever. Um, but we also need to determine uh, what they necessarily owe us. What, what, what did they do to us? What would, what, would, what would make things right? Again, there are a few times where there isn't anything. But then there are a lot of times that there are. And then the next one's going to kind of, kind of blows our mind as I was thinking through this. Uh, then we cancel the debt by forgiving them. We let it go. We back off from it. And this is a process. This isn't like a one and done kind of a thing. We, we process through. I, I could tell you some stories about some people that really did me wrong. I might own 10% of it, because we always own something, normally. But they did me wrong, and I went through this, and I determined what they owed me, and then I canceled the debt, but then I had to continue to work on the process. I had to, don't let the anger build up again. Sometimes you can deal with this, and it's gone. Other times, it might be a two- or three-year thing. There are some situations in my life where I think it's gone, and all of a sudden, five years later, ten years later, it kind of comes back into my focus, and all of a sudden, I, I, my blood starts to boil, and I've got to go back and restart this process and forgive. When possible, we need to pursue reconciliation. We need to pursue reconciliation. We need to figure out how to make it right. As Christ followers, we're not very good at this. We're not, we don't make it easier for the person coming to us to be reconciled, and, and, it's, and we're not really good at it when we go to the person. Last week, we talked about this idea, don't violate the greatest commandment to follow a secondary commandment. And this ties into that worship. You know, you're supposed to be engaged in a growing relationship with God, but Jesus says when you're in that process and all of a sudden it comes to your mind that you have a broken relationship with somebody, you need to go make it right. And so this is where you stop that act and go try to start making it right. And again, sometimes this is going to be a process. Uh, this, some of these hurts, you just don't make a telephone call and it's over. 
Sometimes it's much more involved with that. But Jesus is serious about this as he talks about this. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. See, it's important. It's important to be connected with a local church. It's important to be growing. It's important for all those things. But an expression of that uh, is our relationships. And that when there is a broken relationship, we seek out reconciliation. He goes on and says, settle matters quickly with your adversary, adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary, I can't say the word, adversary, thank you, may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. The idea here again is don't procrastinate. Deal with it. Give it a reasonable amount of time. That verse that talks about don't go to bed angry from Ephesians doesn't, isn't, isn't literal in my mind. It means deal with it. Sometimes there needs to be a little bit of time. Sometimes there needs to be a day. Sometimes there needs to be, but don't use, oh, I need to give it a day or so and let it turn into a month or so or a year or so. You know when you're doing that. I know when I'm doing that. I know when I'm delaying because it's a part of the process, and I know when I'm delaying because I'm not dealing with the process. Make the first move and make things right. So what about uh, the yeah, but? What about if they don't want to resolve the issue? Make sure that's really true. But when they make, because sometimes we can dress it up that I don't want to resolve the issue, but I project onto them that they don't want to resolve it by being unreasonable. But what do we do if they don't want to resolve the issue? Paul talks about in Romans, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So there are times where we've experienced an injustice. If they don't want it to be resolved, and we work hard, we digest, I'm going to let it go and leave it in God's hands. I'm, I'm going to even try to get to the point where I don't wish the same thing on them. That's hard stuff. We, it's not like we, wow, we want them to get it because they deserve it. Because, again, we go back to the reality is we all deserve something. Not, none of us are squeaky clean. All of us have been involved in things when we've been hurtful, maybe different levels, maybe different intensities. But we don't want, we want justice for us, but we don't want justice in our life because then we would have to pay the price of whatever those things are. Well, what if they just uh, keep creating hurt in my life? What do we do? This isn't plan B. This isn't plan C. This is plan D, F, G, down the line. 
There's a point where if someone keeps creating hurt in our lives, it's okay, it's good, it's advised to have boundaries. Titus says this, warn a quarrelsome person once or twice, but then be done with them. It's obvious that such a person is out of line, rebellious against God by persisting in, in divisiveness that he cuts himself off. There's a time where you create a boundary. There's a time where you're done talking. Every once in a while, believe it or not, I have somebody who wants some advice from me, and they want advice, and I give them advice again and again and again, and I say the same thing, and they ignore it, they acknowledge ignoring it, and I'll say, you know, there's, there's, there's no reason for us to talk again. We've had that long conversation a bunch of times, and I just, I, we don't need to sit through it because you know what to do. Or there's somebody that just always cannot be trustworthy. But don't play games with this. Again, this is not option B. It's down the line. But there is a point where you create a boundary and say, I'm not going to be subject to that. And I'm not talking about abuse, abuse. I'm talking about, uh, you know, toxic relationships. Not the extreme. I say, extreme, first time, that's it. But just somebody who's just, 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 it's just not healthy. You can actually create a boundary and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to subjugate, I'm not going to be subject to that anymore. You see, this anger thing is, 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 is something we, we've got to process through. We've got to find out why these things are originating in our heart. And we need to deal with them. You see, if you and I don't get a grip of our anger, it will keep a grip on us. And some of us, even as we're thinking right now, can think of those things that have captivated us, have actually owned our heart and our soul. We've been in prison. And we don't have to be in prison any longer. We can try to reconcile with the person. If the person does not desire to reconcile and it continues to be, we, we, can, we can forgive them in the sense that we don't, we're not going to hold it against them. We don't wish them harm, but we don't, have to be in, in, we don't have to be in their community, in their connection. We can pull out of that. But we can't just either stuff it or we can't just be someone who spews it out and say, that's just who I am. Because then it owns us. And then we find that life isn't as good as it could be, isn't as sweet as it could be. And the, those closest to us end up becoming, uh, end up getting the ripple effects of unresolved conflict, unresolved anger in our own hearts. And the people in my life I love too much to let some unresolved something cause flack from me in their lives. I don't want them to, don't want it to own me. I don't want it to control me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a tough subject. All of us have hurts. All of us have things in our life that uh, we're rightfully initially angry for. And they're all over the place. 
But Lord, we bring them to you this morning. Lord, we ask that you would work in our hearts, work in our lives, bring people into our lives, bring thoughts into our lives that help us to process through. Help us not to be owned by anger. Lord, you've got so much more planned for us than for us to be a prisoner of that. So Lord, I pray for my friends this morning, and I ask that you would help each one of us to work through that, to have a change in our heart. Lord, if there's someone here who has not said yes to you, has not come into relationship with you, may they find that that's the starting point of dealing with that anger and that heart hurt and that injustice in their life. And for those of us who have said yes to you, may we find that your grace, your love in our life, is enough to help us to walk through it and in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This time in our service is...